1: Hello and welcome to the Situation Report today. Very glad to have you with us at this very difficult time in American history. There are a lot of things going on right now, of course. And we're going to talk about some of those things today. This is the show where we give you the information you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stolniker. I'm here with Chad Robichaux. And we are at one of those moments in time that a lot of folks have been predicting for a long time. But kind of hoped it would just never come. But here we are. We are dealing with the consequences of an election not too many months ago that have brought about much pain, heartache, despair and overwhelm in Afghanistan. We're going to talk about Afghanistan a little bit today, but we're going to talk about that in the context of election integrity. As we have been talking about the importance of elections and why we should fight for election integrity, uh, many look at this even conversation as something that is peripheral. Maybe it's not that important. It can't be that bad, but we are seeing in real time what happens when elections don't go well. At the very least, we need to know that the people we elect are the ones who take office we're going to talk about that with a very special guest today our guest is someone who for this audience i'm sure needs very little introduction very grateful to have with us today frank gaffney Very grateful to have Frank with us. He is the founder and executive chairman of the Center for Security Policy in Washington, D.C., host of Secure Freedom Radio and nationally syndicated radio program. He is an author of several books, has served in a number of capacities in the United States government. Frank, thank you so much for joining us. You've been running from one show to another and uh, kind of shoehorned us in here, so really appreciate it. Oh, I'm delighted to do so. Thank you for having me on. We are going to jump into uh, this conversation and and probably a couple different facets of it. But uh, before we do, I I would like for you, if you could just take a minute (laughs) to give kind of your your personal big picture of liberty, the US Constitution, what America is about. If someone Googles your name, um, they'll find out a lot of interesting things Have been said about you and it's not true you have been a friend to us and uh man stood for liberty but uh maybe it would behoove our audience for you to take a minute to just talk about what liberty is what the constitution means to you and why these things are important
2: well thank you for giving me the opportunity to uh clarify a little bit uh, both what i've done what i believe and uh why it's been misrepresented right um I had the privilege as a very young man of working for a couple of uh, extraordinary United States senators, a Democrat by the name of Henry Scoop Jackson from Washington State, a Republican by the name of John Tower, the chairman of the Senate Armed Services Committee at the time. Uh, I subsequently worked for President Reagan, as, uh, acting as an assistant secretary of defense in his Pentagon at the height, arguably, of the Cold War. And from that day to this, I have tried to emulate those remarkable leaders in standing up against totalitarianism, whatever form it takes. And it's taken a couple of different forms over the course of my 40 or so years working in this space. Uh, Soviet communism, of course, uh, was the first order of business uh, early in my career. The totalitarianism known as Sharia, uh, the supremacist jihadist doctrine of authoritative Islam was sort of the, uh, the second uh, of these various threats. And most recently, I've been really focused on uh, another that has emerged uh, very, very forcefully of late, and that is Chinese communism. They all have different attributes to some degree, but they all have some things in common, and they pose most especially a mortal threat to freedom and to people like us who um, both have had the privilege of living under it and who understand that they seek to deprive us of that freedom, and indeed the whole world for that matter. So um, in the course of my championing freedom and trying to stop those who seek to diminish it, or take it away from us altogether, Um, I've made a few enemies, I think it's fair to say. I've come to believe that I was cancelled before cancelled was a thing, (laughs) that uh, people used Wikipedia, Google searches, and uh, the like, to uh, defame me, Hmm. and to uh, misrepresent my positions, and most especially to tell people that um, I was somebody who Uh, hated other people um, on the basis of their ethnicity or their race or their nationality. That's not true. Um, I have been an absolutely uh, unapologetic opponent of people who, out of ideological reasons, have sought the destruction of my country. Uh, And I make no mistake about that. I'm proud of that record and um, sorry that people are misled by have become basically uh, political warfare instruments uh, in this great fight for what I call the free world. Yeah,
1: incredible.
3: Frank, um, you know, we have heard that from both sides, the term uh, elections have consequences. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, right now, you know, we're looking at Afghanistan, Uh, you and I both have been, you know, probably taking a break from a million uh interviews on on afghanistan to do this and talk about election integrity and it's hard right now to talk about election integrity without talking about afghanistan and, and the consequences of uh you know who, who is in the white house and who's not in the white house right now who's calling the shots for not just uh america but for the the free world and for um, for freedom around the world uh so that we've since the election we've heard so much uh about election integrity um and uh Folks are fighting to reform election pla- uh, election uh, processes. And uh, so as we begin this conversation, I want you to see if you can define what in- election integrity means and, uh, and how it's impacting you know things like Afghanistan right now.
2: Well, I think very simply put, election integrity is the idea that one person who is actually entitled to vote can have confidence that they cast a ballot and it will be counted and that the ultimate outcome of the election will reflect nothing but those who similarly were legitimately entitled to vote and who cast one ballot and it's properly counted it's pretty straightforward Uh, machines and technology and and a lot of um, legislation and machinations in this space have made it a lot more complicated than that. But it's, it's kind of the old adage of one man, one vote, one time. And, um, you know, women get to vote as well, of course. But it should come down to that. And um, it may be that we have to revert to paper ballots being hand counted with appropriate supervision to ensure that it's the way it's handled going forward. But... We certainly saw in 2020 that um, those technologies and techniques and uh, I think a lot of skullduggery, for that matter, um, part of it capitalizing on this uh, COVID-19 pandemic um, to uh, introduce what were known and identified on a bipartisan basis, no less, as means by which elections could be made um fraudulent uh integrity was uh, uh denied and uh you know mail in ballots for example um that were sent to millions of people without them being requested and without uh, actual confidence that they were only going to get one and that they would cast it properly um is is a prime example of the kind of uh well, I call it election grand larceny that took place in the 2020 election. And and when, and when I'm so pleased to have a chance to talk with you guys because uh, you know a lot about Afghanistan from very hard experience there. But it's just the most recent example of the point you made, Chad, that elections do have consequences. There's no doubt in my mind that if Donald Trump were president of the United States, we would not have gotten ourselves into the fix we're in with Afghanistan right now. And the fact that Joe Biden is, I believe, uh, improperly uh, acting as president of the United States has created conditions that um, I think most Americans are both appalled by and deeply humiliated uh, by. And again, that's simply because the wrong person is in the Oval Office at the moment. Uh, or Delaware or somewhere, um, but is uh, is nominally at least calling the shots. So what we have to take away from this, it seems to me, is a couple of things. One, we need to go back and figure out what did happen in the 2020 election. We need to get to the bottom of the evidence of electoral fraud various ways and various states and with various effects but we need to have, I think, forensic audits um, in all 50 states. It really seems as though it's warranted. Um, In some cases, I think the outcome of the presidential race was really not in question, but in down-ballot races, uh, you may have had fraud affecting them. Certainly in a number of states, and it's probably more than just the swing states, we saw um, the results, uh, even in the presidential elections, um, tainted by mishaps or um, malfeasance or other actions, uh, including the one I mentioned of mail-in ballots. But um, beyond figuring out what happened in 2020, we need to ensure that efforts to institutionalize such arrangements are not made part of the permanent and national election process it, it's a formula if uh, if some in congress have their way um hr1 s1 is uh, one of the pieces of legislation that would do that have been called uh, there's another one that's coming down the pike apparently the john lewis voting rights uh, enhancement act or something to that effect um these are designed to prevent free and fair elections from now on. And you talk about consequences, um, the elections that would result, I think would be highly consequential and highly inimical to both our national security interests, a particular passion of ours, of course, but also I think the national interest and maybe even the freedoms and the very lives of Americans across this country. So um, Afghanistan is a powerful reminder that this is happening as we speak and uh, heaven help us if we let it become institutionalized and, and therefore even more of a problem in the future.
1: I wanted to take a minute to let our audience know about the work that we do through an incredible veterans nonprofit called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Many of our nation's warriors struggle with the hardships of military service and reintegration back into civilian life. Often they leave broken homes in their aftermath and comprise one of the most at-risk groups for suicide, with over 20 veterans who take their lives every single day. Mighty Oaks tackles this critical issue with our faith-based peer-to-peer resiliency and recovery programs offered at no cost to our honored servicemen and women at beautiful ranches across the United States. Mighty Oaks has one of the highest success rates of any program available anywhere. Visit MightyOaksPrograms.org. To learn more about how you can make a direct impact in the lives of our servicemen and women to help them find a new life purpose through hope in Christ. Again, that's MightyOaksPrograms.org. Witnessing the transformation that these men and women go through is absolutely incredible. There are no words to describe seeing warriors restored to the lives they were created to live, changing their legacies for eternity. Your support is needed now more than ever and will ensure that our programs are here for our warriors who are in desperate need. Again, the website is MightyOaksPrograms.org um, Use the word skullduggery, which by the way is one of my favorite words so I'm glad you threw that in there. Uh, but that's that's what it is. We've seen that and we've, you know, we're living through that and certainly seeing the results in, in small part of that. But election integrity in spite of all of that has become a very partisan issue which is it's puzzling at the least and it's um it's very concerning at the most that it's become partisan that the idea that we should have free and fair elections that one person should get one vote has become a partisan issue what i also understand is that had things gone a different way Um, It would still be partisan, but the sides would be flipped. I think we we look at winning at all costs as the goal of elections, and it's not. But a lot of people are missing that. Can you take a second to just articulate why (laughs) election integrity, forensic audits, recounts, ensuring that things are done right, not allowing some of these other measures to go through, why those things should not be partisan. It has nothing to do with left, right, Democrat, Republican, somewhere in the middle. Um, whether you believe in you know, transgender rights or you're extremely conservative, none of that should matter when it comes to this issue. Can you, can you take a minute to articulate that? I think people just miss that.
2: Well, I'm not sure I can do better than you did. You made a very powerful case for it. I think what we've seen is a degree of bipartisanship on this fundamental point over a long period of time. I I mentioned, uh, for example, a study that was done, I think back in 2001, if I'm not mistaken, by uh, then-former President uh, Jimmy Carter and uh, the former Secretary of State, among other things, uh, James Baker, uh, one Democrat, one Republican, And the commission that they did on election integrity um, made a number of these points very well, and on a bipartisan basis. Uh, Specifically, they warned very directly about mail-in ballots Mm -hmm. as a formula for fraud uh, and to be avoided at all costs. Um, We've seen in subsequent years, um, mostly outside of the context of the immediate aftermath of elections, a degree of bipartisanship in principle uh, that elections should be free and fair. They should be transparent. They should be accountable. Um, there should be paper ballots to ensure that even if you're using machines for, uh, you know, uh, the voting or the tabulation of the vote, that there is a backup, but let's face it. I think it's in the nature of uh, the competition of any kind, right. and particularly the electoral competition where especially the stakes can be very high the loser generally uh, is unhappy with the outcome and will complain about it but it shouldn't alter the fact that the rules are established under our constitution they're supposed to be established by the state legislatures they should be known they should be uh, not modified at the last moment in the run-up to the election and even if there are circumstances like uh, a COVID pandemic you shouldn't adopt practices that are known to be riddled with the potential for fraud. And that's something that I think we, we saw failure of leadership on both sides of the aisle. Uh, Donald Trump certainly was warning about it at the top of his voice for months in the run-up to the election and then subsequent to it as well. But it was striking to me that uh, we saw people who knew better, people who had actually themselves warned about the potential for fraud in the 2020 election to have um, suddenly lost uh, their voices in the aftermath of the election when it came out the way they thought it uh, would have been desirable to have it come out. That's that's a terrible blow to uh, a democracy, a a constitutional republic uh, like ours that is uh, based fundamentally on the idea that there will be free and fair balloting uh, by an informed electorate of people who are legally entitled to vote. That doesn't mean that everybody's entitled to vote. It doesn't mean particularly that non-citizens are entitled to vote and there shouldn't be any disagreement about that across party lines, it seems to me.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's great. We're, We're looking at right now, I mean, it's got gas prices, grocery prices. Uh, you know the inflation that hit our hit our uh, consumer goods market, and, and and the job our job pool. Uh, we, I mean, we have record high unemployments again. We have uh we have companies that are going out of business simply because they can't hire employees. Uh, the economy is 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 you know tanking again. We're adding more debt a bit faster than we can print it, and uh, and then you know Afghanistan go back to Afghanistan. We have 10,000 Americans on the ground right now. I can't even, from my mind right now, I can't even fathom that we have 10,000 American citizens under Taliban control yes. and we're not doing anything about going and getting them. And for my, I'll digress and say my background in the military, if we have one American who's in harm's way, we will scorch the earth to go get them and use every asset and resource the United States military has to do that. We have 10,000 right now and we have a, a White House that's not even responding uh, to even address that issue. And uh, so I think I just answered my question because my question was, uh, what are the stakes in the elections, right?
2: Well, again, this is just one example and I know it's on your hearts, um, given your distinguished service to our country in uniform. It's on mine too. I didn't serve in uniform, but I, I had the privilege of serving, as I mentioned, in the civilian side of the Pentagon. And it just breaks my heart to see what's being done to our military as well as to our national honor. And here's the real kicker, unfortunately, I fear that this, whether it was by design or it just has worked out this way, and we may know more about that question in the near future, but what is teed up now is the possibility, the opportunity, the invitation really, to enemies of this country, to act aggressively, well beyond Central Asia, right. the Middle East, and uh, I'm I'm very worried that the Chinese are going to make their move at last on Taiwan, and I think um, if they get guys like you, uh, you know, uh, firmly uh, engaged in Afghanistan again uh, on an emergency basis because we've got this crisis on our hands. Um, that just means that the opportunities for them to engage successfully in military action against Taiwan are, are that much higher. I mean, a- another example of this, of course, is uh, once Joe Biden decided he was going to take the U.S. forces out, um, you know, our air power in theater was greatly diminished. So the one aircraft carrier we had in the whole western pacific is now you know trying to provide some kind of support to uh, uh, afghanistan i mean these are the sorts of things that i have the feeling are not an accident comrade as the uh, soviet communists like to say Uh, we'll know more later but uh, it's a very fraught circumstance and and it's one of those things where I, i i've spent most of my professional life as i said trying to help american people really understand what the threats are to our country particularly from these various totalitarian forces and you know an awful lot of people had come to the conclusion i think it was deeply ingrained really uh it's almost as though our body politic had been genetically modified not to have the kind of basic survival instinct any longer the common sense that says we have to take our national security seriously. And we spend most of our time thinking about, well, these domestic problems or, or some other set of them and not about enemies, foreign and domestic, which we all took an oath of office to protect our country and our constitution against. And when you look at that in the context, just, just the crucible of Afghanistan at the moment, how much would all of us give to be back just a couple of weeks ago before all of this had eventuated? And we haven't seen anything yet. I mean, I'm seeing videos, I'm sure you are too, of women being shot on the street because they didn't have a man with them or they didn't have the right dress on or whatever. this This is going to get extremely ugly. And I think... I use this term advisably, it is a national humiliation that I think all of us will recognize is, is a stake in that election that um, we couldn't really comprehend might be uh, one of the consequences of it going badly.
1: We look at recent polling, um, we're told nationally about 80% of Americans disagree <laughs> with Joe Biden's handling of Afghanistan. which brings up the question, who are these other 20%, right? I mean, what are they looking at? Um, but let's say it's 80%, that's extremely high, um, You know, across the administration, polling very, very low. Folks are waking up for whatever reason to perhaps mistakes that were made, um, lies that were told, the unmasking is happening, but we're gonna go back to polls and without a clear belief or confidence in the process, it may not matter. (laughs) Um, So what do we as people, you know, we're in states across the country, um, how do we as individuals ensure that our states are handling elections properly so that our one vote does count, so that our voice nationally can be heard and we can prevent things like this. Now, good politicians make bad decisions too. Um, they're just not typically reckless decisions and don't result in the same loss of life we're seeing right now. Uh, how do we? What, what do we do about that? And I think that's the actionable part of all of this. We know there's a problem. We see it. What do we do?
2: Well, it's the multi-trillion dollar question, I mm. guess you might say. Uh, I think it starts with an awareness that there is a problem. And I believe that's very much now dawning on people. I mean, 80% on Afghanistan, uh, you're right, uh, what on earth are the 20% thinking? (laughs) I have the feeling that 20% will shrink as they witness still more of the horrors that are now unfolding. But to your question about what do we do to ensure election integrity going forward. Uh, the first order of business, beyond just understanding that it's in peril, mm-hmm. is to prevent uh, legislation like HR1, 1, S1, 1, or this John Lewis Act. The John Lewis Act is different in the sense that it, it doesn't go through a thousand or two thousand pages to enumerate all of the ways in which fraud can be conducted in. Mm-hmm make it legal to do it right, that way right. it simply turns over the whole matter to the attorney general of the united states to let him decide whether a given state is uh, conducting its voting in a way that uh, he thinks is appropriate this is one of the most if not the most partisan attorney general in our nation's history i think and that's saying something mm. um, especially when you look at eric holder uh, right right with his predecessors but um uh We're looking at um, the absolute imperative need for the American people to get up on the net, as they say, and oppose efforts that would ensure that the kinds of problems that we had in 2020 are permanent. Features of mm, our elections right. forevermore, right. and then there are other things that individuals can do and i'm I'm very heartened by the degree to which a lot of Americans have gotten engaged. I think uh, we talked about forensic audits in every state. I think there's something like two hundred and fifty thousand people who have now pulled together in uh, a telegram uh, based effort uh, called I think America first uh, audits uh, that uh, my friend David Clements uh, is leading. Uh, this is a, a, a grassroots effort to ensure that in every single state in the union, mm-hmm. there's an effort made to go back and assure that the votes were as they're supposed to be: one person, one right. vote, one time, and with you know the voter being an eligible voter at that. Um, that's a way to get involved and as importantly as anything i think probably are some of the efforts that are being made now to recruit people to become involved in the election process itself whether it's as uh, poll watchers or even more importantly as as officers uh, presiding over on um, the palleting because the more people that are involved and the more people with integrity are involved the harder it becomes for people who don't have that attribute to get away with stealing elections. And to make sure that by so doing, we can have confidence in our elections and therefore people will turn out to vote. I'm very concerned, as I think your question suggested, that we might see, as we did, for example, notably in that Georgia runoff, when large numbers of people saw the election stolen in November of last year, and had every reason to believe, since nothing was being done to correct those problems, and the governor and the secretary of state seemed complicit in the electoral fraud that took place in the November timeframe, time frame, um, you know, large numbers of people simply sat it out. And yep. the outcome, as you say, is uh, history and uh, was, was, you know, again, a reminder that these things are high stakes and highly consequential.
1: The Senate changed hands as a result, for good. Yeah. Frank, this is such an important issue. And um, one of the things we appreciate about you um, is your friendship, first of all. But then, you know, beyond that, you're on the front line. You're talking about this every day. You're putting out good information, your website, tons of information for people that want to be informed. Can you please point people to those places or that place that you want them to go to continue to learn about this and so many other issues?
2: I'm happy to do so. Um, The website of the Center for Security Policy is a terrific resource. It's at securefreedom.org. We have a number of other websites that I would just mention because I think they're also very, very valuable resources. Uh, PresentdangerChina.org is the site of the Committee on the Present Danger China, which I am the vice chair of um we have a, a very important product also at save the persecuted christians another of yeah. fashions i know we share yeah. as we talked about um, the fact that christians um, people who converted from islam to sure. christianity are now in great peril in sure. afghanistan is just a, another example of a of a worldwide problem something like 340 million christians around the world today are being heavily persecuted and this is another thing we're passionate about save the persecuted christians.org is a website for that i'm sure you're and aware happy to um, sure
3: i'm sure you're aware frank uh, and that's such a great effort right now to know uh, that you guys have that because i'm being told from people on the ground in afghanistan i'm, I'm, in, t- I'm in contact with i have some of my team members who are on the ground in afghanistan right now and, and they're and they're telling me that they were they were pulling the, they're grabbing the iPhones from people, you know, they have Bible apps, they're shooting them on on site, and uh, they're, they're killing Christians on the streets of Kabul right now, and That's uh, and, and it's it's even taking place right in front of our U.S. troops right now, and U.S. troops are asking to to help, and uh, they're being told to stand down. They can't. Right.
2: Well, and and just as another example of of what seems to be you know seriously, foobar about this whole um, operation is that we're we're witnessing. People being brought here, um, some of whom I'm quite sure did in fact earn the opportunity to be yes. extricated uh, because they have worked with guys like you um, as interpreters or in special forces roles or what have you, and they're they're clearly at risk, and and maybe their immediate family should be uh, sure. you know pulled in too, but it it looks as though large numbers of people who don't actually have the eligibility are also migrating here and and to my absolute astonishment um getting priority treatment over pulling americans out of uh this uh this killing field so it it is a frightening situation it is one that i believe at the end of the day um we will all just rue that it came to pass and it came to pass in no small measure because I think uh, we lacked electoral integrity and that cannot be allowed to happen again.
1: That's right. Frank Gaffney, thank you so much. Really appreciate the conversation. Appreciate what you're doing and uh, we'll put links and everything else to those sites and uh, the work that you do out for our audience, but uh, could, appreciate could, it. Can I just say one word before we go? Please do.
2: Because I, I, I just want to say thank you for what you guys do. Nighty uh, yes, Oaks Foundation is one terrific organization. I'm so proud of uh, being one of your uh, fans and uh, the chance to work to promote the work you do it's so needed Uh, if ever it were um, uh, in question i think what you are pointing out in terms of the impact that afghanistan and this uh this terrible betrayal really of the service and sacrifice of so many of you guys Uh, is just adding urgency to the work that you do to try to prevent suicides and deal with PTSD and so on. So I'm proud to be a champion for you
1: and um, always happy to help in any way I can. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. We'll talk again soon. An incredible conversation, as always, with Frank Gaffney, uh, an American patriot, someone who understands liberty, (laughs) understands the Constitution, and has devoted, as he mentioned, his life to standing in the way of those who would seek to impinge on our liberty and our freedoms as Americans. Thankful for his insight and uh, so clear on these issues. Uh, So much was said there. I'd love to get into all of it, but we're going to boil it down to just a couple of thoughts. This is today's Situation Report. Number one, when we talk about election integrity, it's really not complicated. (laughs) Frank mentioned this. Election integrity is simply the understanding That each citizen of the United States who is eligible per our Constitution to vote gets one vote, and that that vote counts, and that the most votes for the candidate is the one who will be elected. It is understanding when you go to the ballot box that your vote matters. Election integrity, very simple concept, but one that needs to be upheld because there are many devices and many people right now, many policies being put in place that would undermine that very simple concept of one person, one vote. We see second as we talk about our situation report boiling all of this down, that elections do indeed have consequences. Therefore, election integrity is something that should not be a partisan issue. This isn't about left or right. This isn't about conservative or liberal. This is about each American having the opportunity to elect the people to lead us that we, we really want to lead us. And what we find is that if the wrong people are in charge, very difficult things happen things that have dire consequences to folks we may never meet in this case in Afghanistan, but certainly national policy will impact all of us because of who is elected to office. Finally, we consider our last point in this situation report, uh, one that you hear coming up often in this show. We need to do everything that we can as individuals to ensure whether it is uh, by making our voice heard to our local elected officials, by getting involved in the electoral process, uh, standing there and helping to count and receive ballots. Whatever the case, we need to be involved so that we can personally ensure that, at least in our little corner of the world, the election has integrity. That one vote counts from one person toward the end that we collectively as a nation desire. So thankful for Frank and his insight. I would encourage you to go to his website, check out his resources. Uh, One of the great things about Frank Gaffney is he doesn't just talk, he provides resources that we can read, that we can follow, and that we can use to make informed decisions. Great to have you with us today. Thank you for joining us. Look forward to talking to you next week.